Sorry, I was late to the stage. I was finishing the message. So this morning we're going to finish up our series called No More Thems. Uh, if you haven't been able to be with us during that, this series has, has been about unity and we have kind of gone against this us and them mentality that exists in our world. Um, when Christ becomes king in our life, when Christ becomes over all in our life, it brings unity among all those who are under him. So it's no more us and them, it's just us under one king, serving and praising King Jesus. This morning the title is Unity is War. Uh, that might be a, a weird title too, you're kind of an oxymoron, but I hope at the end of the message you understand why I have titled it Unity is War, it's, it's from God. And we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. If you want to turn there in your copy of God's Word. Uh, we read that verse last week, talked about that verse last week, but everything we're going to talk about this morning cannot be done apart from that verse, so we're going to read it again. Um... Spring break, we spent a week in Disney World and had a lot of fun. It was a good time, made a lot of memories, rode a lot of rides. But one of our favorite memories came from our middle daughter, Selah. Um, Selah had anxiety and panic attacks on every single ride we went on. We would be standing in line and the whole time we're in line, Selah is wondering whether or not she's fixing to die on this ride. Every single ride we went on, even if she has ridden the ride before. So we just got off the ride, and it was her favorite ride, and we're fixing to get on the ride, and oh my goodness, I'm about to die. Every ride. So Beth is kind of talking her down in line. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, <laughs> being a good dad and adding to the anxiety and flavor of the line. But anyways, uh, we're, we're in line and we go on one of the Star Wars rides. And uh, the whole time you're in line and kind of getting navigating line, there is a storyline. So everybody's kind of, even while you're waiting on the actual ride, everybody's kind of playing into the ride. And it's like we have been, I don't understand Star Wars, so I might get some of this wrong, but it's like, the bad guys have caught you doing something for the good guys. So they're like, we're, we're fixing to interrogate everybody. And Sailor goes, what's interrogate? <laughs> and and uh, we're, we kind of explain to her what interrogating is. And she's like, are they going to split us up? I get to stay with you, don't I? I mean, you're not, they're not going to take me away, are you? Not? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe somebody's really taking over this ride. From the dark side of the force. So we're on the ride and we're kind of navigating the ride. And this big tall gentleman dressed in bad people Star Wars garb comes up to Beth. And, and he goes, you look like trouble. Are you trouble? And she laughs in dude's face. She's like, ha, 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 And he looks down at Selah, who came to about right here on him. And he goes, what about you? Are you trouble? And she goes, and I was like, maybe, you know, I was kind of shoving her out to him. I couldn't move her. An elephant couldn't have moved her. I mean, she was like stout. She was not moving. We get on the ride, which is the actual escape from enemy Star Wars land. And we sit down on the ride, and this lady that really, like, pushes the buttons for the ride is... She's, she's a young girl, and she's a cast member, and she's like, okay, guys, get in. We're about to escape, but there's one problem. A driver, your driver is a droid. Does anybody speak droid? And Sayla's already clinging to the handlebars and, and while she's saying it, and she goes, I don't even know. <laughs> and so the girl breaks character. There's, there's like 30 people on these rides that she's talking to, and she's like... 
I don't even know what to say, darling. And about that time, the ride starts, and we go past the ride, and the lady goes, it's going to be okay, I promise, while Sailor's <laughs> going down the... Broke character for all those people. What a memory. This morning, or this week, I have kind of felt like Sailor about preaching this message because I have to talk to you about some hard things. Uh, I hope by the end we can be like Selah. Uh, at the end of every ride that she was terrorized about, she would be like, that's not that bad. That might be my favorite. I hope by the end of the message we can all say, well, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> but I have to talk to you about some difficult things this morning. Um, But last week, I promised you we would do all we can, always, to love you no matter what, but also speak the truth to you no matter what, because it's not loving to avoid the truth. There's two people that this message will bother. Person number one is somebody that has surrendered to the values of the world. If you've said... I've got to have it my way. That Bible's an old book and it doesn't really speak to me. This message may bother you. Other person may be somebody that has been in church, grown up in church their entire life and they've heard these scriptures taught one way and what I say this morning might be a little different than what you've heard. There's two questions. I was raised in church. And when I come to a scripture that I've I've heard taught one way my whole life, there's two questions I ask myself every time. Number one, is that all that's there? Because there may be context around it that I can learn about that, that enlarges my understanding of this scripture and I might can understand it better. Is that all that's there? And the second thing is, is that there at all? Because I might have understood it in a wrong way. Is that all that's there? Is that there at all? This morning we're going to talk about four relationships that when you trust Christ, when you surrender to the Lord Jesus, they have to change. There's no way around it. It's clear in Scripture. It's clear in this Scripture. It must change. And most of these are going to speak to an attitude that's in every single one of us. It's hard for all of us. There's a reason it's in God's Word. Because left to ourselves, we are not what you're about to hear. This comes from God, not from you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We talked about this last week. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Y'all remember talking about that last week? The relationship between getting drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. If that... Hurts for you to hear, ladies, you ought to try speaking it to you. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. To make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. 
In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one, ever care, no, no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one is to... Each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Can we pray together? Father, we come to you and we acknowledge <laughs> wow, you say some hard things. But we also proclaim and submit because everything you say is good everything you say is right everything is a everything you say is above any belief that we have you are right and the only way we can is if we agree and submit to you if we do not we are wrong there is no justification there's no way around it there is Right, there is truth and there is wrong and there is false and you are the source of truth and right. And we're not. God, I pray that you would provide a way for your spirit to speak to our souls. Because I confess that I can only speak to ears. But you can go deeper. Would you change us? Would you have your way with us? Will you do whatever you want today? We don't just want you here. We want you to dominate. In Jesus' name, amen. So last Sunday, I went home and I, I read the scripture that I get to preach this morning. And uh, this isn't the only one we're going to talk about. So we're going we're gonna to mosey on through it pretty quick. But it's... Wives and husbands, parents and kids, bosses and workers. Um, and I was like, man, where's it going to break loose? Which, which one? And it was a tough week. The enemy hates these most important relationships that we're talking about this morning. Uh, and we, we have to do it God's way. We have to do God's thing God's way. And that's how we want to teach it this morning. Anytime I've ever heard Ephesians 5.22 preached, it started with Ephesians 5.22. And the problem with that is, that's not where that idea starts. Where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Most of the time when a preacher wants to preach on wives and husbands, it starts with verse 22. But did you know in verse 22, in the original text, the word submit is not in there. It doesn't say wives submit to your husbands in the original text. Don't hit me. I'm just telling you the truth about what it says. That verse flows from the verse above it. And the word submit is understood in that verse in the original. So it reads like this. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing songs to one another. Be thankful and submit to one, one another, wives, to your husbands, as unto the Lord. That's the way it re reads. This is not a hammer down command from God to bring women into submission under men. These verses have been used... To justify abuse in homes. This scripture, the one after it and the one after that. The, these verses that we're studying this morning have been used by people to justify abuse. And let me tell you something. That is, that is if you want to get me mad. Use God's word that's meant for a healing bond for souls and relationships. And twist it and use it for abuse. Boy, I had to get under my skin quick. But it reads like that, wives to your husbands, 
And, and this, is, this is how I've heard it preached most of the time. Wives, you're not called to submit to every man. You're just called to submit to your husband. That's the way I've heard it preached. And definitely, y'all, definitely wives and, and husbands' relationships are different. But that submit word flows from an attitude of the verse above it that is directed at every believer. You hear what I'm saying? So yes, wives and husbands' relationships are different, but we can't treat anybody just any old way. Because when we are filled with the Spirit, like the Scripture tells us in in verse 18, we begin to adopt this attitude of submission to one another. I want your good above mine. I'm not, I'm, our relationship is not going to be one of authority where I'm going to push to get my way. I want your good above mine. I will allow you to be more important than me. It is a chosen, voluntary submission. And then it says, unto the Lord, which changes everything. Like, like when, I, when I read that, um, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, I, 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 my first thought is, man... On my face in submission to God, worshiping. That's how I submit to the Lord. But I'm not sure that that's how it reads. How do you submit to Jesus? Think about that. How do you submit to Jesus? Do you say, why don't he share his own gospel? Why don't he share his own good news? No. You say, man, he's, he's saved me and he's changed me. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. That's how we submit to Christ. That's the attitude of submission. That wives are intended to model for the whole congregation to see. There's that. And then he goes to husbands. Husbands ought to love, how husbands ought to love their wives. Not that they ought to love their wives, but how they ought to love their wives. And he says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I don't care how big an old boy are you. You can't do that. You cannot love your wife the way Jesus has loved me. Unbelievable. Sacrificial love. Um, that means that, that I lay down all my rights. Now, I, know, I know that's a hot topic for some people. I know, I know when the word rights is mentioned, it, gets, it gets, starts flashing. in our. Oh my goodness, he's talking about rights again. Listen to me. Jesus had the rights of heaven. He had the worship of angels. He is the only one who has ever existed that deserved to be a son of God. He's the only one. He's the only one that ever deserved family with God. He's the only one that ever deserved an inheritance from God. And he laid it down to pick up a towel and wash feet and die for his church. All of his rights, all of his rights as God, he laid it down. We struggle letting our wives watch the TV show she wants to watch. We struggle with what restaurant we're going to eat at. He gave up everything he deserved. He went to war for her. You know that? He saw us in a shape that was horrific but deserved. And he went to war for her, his bride. And he said, I know she's earned it. But I'm going to fight on her behalf. 
He didn't lead with his fist. He led at her feet. He was tempted with the lust of the eyes and the the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, but he didn't surrender to it because his bride was too important. It says, cleansing her and presenting her in splendor without spot or wrinkle. That's what the scripture says, that it is our role as, our hus- as husbands to do. Our, our wives are a gift of God on loan from God, and one day they will be returned to God. And we will present her at the feet of our Father. Did you know, not one person has entered into relationship with Jesus and become worse for it. I know, listen to me, I know that in a sense men are wives answer for themselves. But we will give an account to our king about our wives as well. Did they become better because our influence into them? Or are, are they more messed up? Because of our influence over them. Is she thriving because of you or in spite of you? And then, then the scripture says that the husband should leave his father and mother. Do you know that's not said to the, to the wife? That's, that was interesting to me. First time I noticed that, but in that scripture, it, it calls the husband to leave his mom and dad and cling to his wife. It's calling the husband to step out from under the protection of this, these people here and step into responsibility of these people here. It doesn't say that to the wife. It says it to the husband. Wives submit... Husbands, do all this other stuff. And at this point, you've either tuned out or, or you think, I see a lot of married people out there that do this, and, and I'll agree with you, there, there is a way that you can be married and survive marriage, but there's no way your marriage can be a testimony to the king apart from his way. Maybe you're beating yourself up and, and you want to leave here and go and try harder. Man, we'll work on our marriage. We'll try harder. Let me tell you something. I don't care how much counseling you get. And some of you probably need it. If verse 18 is not in play, be filled with the Spirit, you can't try hard enough. You can't skip that step. And maybe you're out there and you're a teenager and you're like, I'm not married. You better find somebody and be looking for somebody that's at least striving for these qualities. I don't care how many abs he's got. (laughs) I'm number one. That's all I got. (laughs) Men, I don't care how cute she is. Are they striving to do God's thing God's way? This is impossible apart from verse 18. Can't be done. But the scripture calls us to impossible things so that his church steps out of the realm of the possible and puts on a show for a watching world that he is real and alive and at work in broken people. It's a testimony to a watching world. Chapter 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. No amens? No 
I had to tell you all to quit this week. Now I got to tell you to start. (laughs) Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We don't know what age uh, Paul's talking about with children. There is an age when children leave their mom and dad and they start their own family. There is a leaving that has to happen in marriage. We just talked about that. But when we are under the care of our moms and dads, we obey them. Kids, y'all listen to me. You Kids, listen to me. Uh, you, can, you can quit paying attention later if you want to. You may not have paid attention at all so far. But listen to me. You're not, you're not the future of the church, kids. If you have surrendered to Jesus, you're the right now of the church. And you have a role to play in this body. And I know how everybody else treats their moms and dads. And it's supposed to be that way. But Jesus has called you, if you're a believer, Jesus has called you to something different in spite of how everybody else treats their moms and dads. And he's saying, you, you, you obey your parents. Are people going to talk about you probably? Teenagers, listen to me. I know, I know there's some changes that go on with teenagers and, and we somehow get to this phase where we start rolling our eyes at our moms and our dads and, and we walk off and we storm off. And, 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 and you may be even chuckling and smiling at that right now because you know you do it. Listen, listen to me. This is important, teenagers. The Scripture says don't do that to your mom and dad. And if you are, you better go back to verse 18 and be filled with the Spirit. As much as you know how, Go be filled with the Spirit of God that changes people from the inside and obey your parents. And then it goes to fathers. I had to swallow uh, this passage because I do sometimes stir my kids to anger. I feel like that's my role. At times, I goof too much. Dads, you have, a, you have a part in the leadership of this that God's called you to. We, we provoke our children to His things. We don't provoke them to other things and expect them to want His things when they get our age. The Scripture calls us to lead out in discipling our children in verse 4. Children, bring, fathers, bring your children up to know and follow Jesus. He puts it on our shoulders. Not the pastor, not the youth guy, not the mom. He puts it on the shoulders of the dad. Raise your children up to know and love Jesus. I'm not saying moms don't have a part to play, but the role is on the daddy. And you may say, Dustin, that's hard. That's too hard. No, it's not. It's impossible. But Jesus gives His people impossible things to do so that when they are filled with His Spirit and empowered by His Spirit and the world watches them do it, it, they say, Jesus must be real because I know that guy. And He can't do it. Verse 5. Oh, that was the second relationship that was supposed to change. Parents, children. I missed that. Third one's bosses and workers. Um, Verse 5. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ. Do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them, because you know that both your master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. 
Man, I read that and I was like, Paul, my first thought was, Paul, why don't you just address the fact that slavery shouldn't be? But Paul's talking to an environment and a culture culture where slavery exists. And y'all, he undermines it so much that there's no way it can stand for people that follow Jesus. If he was playing slavery Jenga, he would have pulled the bottom two wood pieces with this scripture. Because he says, treat your slaves as though you're looking into the eyes of King Jesus. If I'm looking into the eyes of Jesus and I own him, he's free tomorrow. You can't keep looking into the eyes of your master as your slave every day. He undermines it in such a point that there's no way it can exist for for free people in the name of Jesus. But then he does address slaves and masters. And in our day, he's talking about the, the the way that we can think of this is workers and bosses. He tells workers, and, and in, this, in this sense, slavery, you do your work for Jesus. It ought not take a threat from a boss to get you motivated to do your job. It ought not take a paycheck to get you motivated to do your job. You work for King Jesus in everything that you do. You work hard for King Jesus and you do everything that you do as though he is watching you because he is. He's looking into your eyes. He calls you to respect your bosses. He, doesn't, he, he says, don't, don't wait till your boss walks off and then go get on your cell phone and waste his time. He says, when your boss walks off, keep working. Respect his authority. He says, no act goes unnoticed, whether it is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Work, work. Believers, people who follow Jesus ought to be the best workers any company can hire. Also, workers, don't leave just because your boss is not a believer. You hear me? Listen to me for just a second. If your boss is not a believer and you are a believer, it doesn't mean that God has it wrong right now. He may have you in that place to be a light. I'm not saying that that's true. I'm not saying you have to stay or there's never a time to leave. I'm saying it could be That you work your can off in such a way that your boss sees the light of Christ in you. It could be. It might not be. I'm not God. Bosses. Treat your workers like you want to be treated. Avoid hostility as much as possible. God is not impressed and he does not value any, you any more than the person you are writing the check to. Dustin, that's hard. No, it's impossible. But Jesus is constantly, his scripture is constantly calling us to the impossible so that when people see a boss and his worker who are both striving to follow Jesus in their workplace, it points others to him. The last relationship that has to change is our relationship with the the world. Verse 10, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. 
Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and re- request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints." Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might, might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. There's a lot there. There's, there's uh, all this armor of God. And I, I, you know I don't have time to get into that. But there's, there's something that we have to see. Our relationship with the world has to change. You do not fight against flesh and blood. There's nobody wearing a body, wearing skin that has a body that is our enemy as the church. There's no agenda out there that can stand against the mission of the church. You don't have to worry about it. The church will win. Jesus will win. They are not our enemy. And we are not called to go to war with them. We are called to go to war for them. You with me? The armor of God is not to stand against evil people. It is to stand against the evil one. You with me? but the church, is, the church has surrendered to this idea that there are people that we're going to war with. There are all these people that are coming after our ideals. That's not our enemy. The enemy has confused them. That's why we have to put on this armor of God not to go to war with them, but to go to war for them. Dustin, it's hard. Nah, it's impossible. To love people that seem to be against us. All of this, Paul addresses four relationships that man, if the spirit is at work in, it's a testimony for a watching world. But there's a reason that he picks them. It's because they're not hard. They're impossible. And for these things to happen, we have to do, verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. In such a way that it looks like we are drunk with the Holy Spirit. In such a way where people say, he's under the influence. That's not Dustin talking. I want to give you three, three keys to being filled with the Spirit. And then we're done. Uh, this doesn't mean that this is all that needs to be done. But if these aren't done, you can't be filled with the Spirit. So maybe this is a start. Uh, number one, believe in Jesus. Uh, Romans fifteen thirteen says this. It's on your screen now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you, as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe in Jesus. Friend, if you don't, if you don't believe in Jesus, there's no need in further in this conversation. The, 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 the second key is obeying Jesus. Ephesians 4.30, we just heard about it the other day, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. There are times where Jesus is calling us to things, and He continues calling, and we say no, and we say no, and we say no, and we say no, and He gets grieved, and there comes a point where we're no longer intoxicated with Him. We're no longer filled with His Spirit. 
And when we're not, we can't do the four things we just talked about. Last thing, embracing Jesus. Colossians 3, embracing Jesus' word. I'm sorry, I didn't put that up there. Right. Let the word of Christ dwell among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, I know we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and sometimes that trips people out because they have experienced times where maybe the Holy Spirit, the talk of the Holy Spirit has been abused. But we can't set the Spirit aside because we've seen abuse of Him. Because the Word of God has been abused too. And we don't set the Word of God aside because there are people that have abused the Word of God. Actually, the Word of God and the Spirit of God go together. The Spirit's not going to tell you what the Word hasn't already said. You want the Spirit to speak to you? Start with this. Start with what He's already said. Last two verses of Ephesians, and we're done. Peace to the brothers and sisters. I love that. This is the last thing Paul says to the Ephesians. Peace to the brothers and sisters. I want you to have peace and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus. This morning, you received a palm branch. You should have. If you don't, we can get you one. You still have it? We get it out for me real quick? You got that palm branch um, not to smoke. Everybody gets the joke. But this morning's Palm Sunday. Next Sunday's Easter. This Sunday we celebrate the day Jesus is coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. And people are taking palm branches, uh, maybe more than what you've got in your hand. But they're, they're taking these, these leaves and Jesus is coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they're laying them in front of the donkey and they're saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed son of David. And the people thought when they threw those palm branches on the ground that that, that palm branch represented victory and peace. And they couldn't have been more right and they couldn't have been more wrong. Because they thought that Jesus was coming into town as a warrior king, as a political king, to overthrow the government, to overthrow Rome and give them freedom as the Jewish nation. And he wasn't a warrior king, political king like that, and he's still not today. But what he was, was an eternal king who came to take away their sin and to give peace for all eternity, not just for the world that we're living in today, but for the world today and for the eternity for all of our tomorrows. But you don't get real peace without a real war. And Jesus was coming to Jerusalem to go to war. Unity is war. Our unity together will not come without a fight. You will be tempted, every person in this room who's a part of the bridge, you will be tempted to break unity. And you will either need to go to war with your own flesh or you will need to go to war with the enemy to fight for unity. If we're going to have peace with our spouses, you'll have to go to war. If we're going to have peace with our kids, with, at our workplaces, in our community, with our lost brothers and sisters, we'll have to go to war. Uh, Jesus 
is declaring war on our flesh every day, and we have to allow him to win. This morning, I, I want you to keep those palm branches. And I don't know how long they'll last. First time I've ever done anything like that. Actually, it was Kirk's idea. But I, I want to talk to three different people in the room, and I, and I hope you keep that palm branch and it represents something to you. Maybe God is calling you to something that will shake the people up around you for the sake of the gospel. And you think the way that peace happens is through peacekeeping. But Jesus didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. He said blessed are the peacemakers. And sometimes real peace has to shake up the peace that already exists. And maybe that's you. If God's calling you to something big and you think, man, this is going to shake some people up around me. Do what Jesus tells you to do. Be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. If that's you, you know, we ask people to stand up all the time. If that's you, I want to ask you to stand and I want to pray for you. Right now. Father, thank you for these men and women who have been called by you to peacemaking. Uh, you say, blessed are the peacemakers. But then you walk into a description of persecution. So we know that as we make peace, persecution can come. I pray for these brothers and sisters that you would guard them and protect them. But I pray that you would give them courage to do exactly with clarity what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe, maybe you're walking through a rocky time in one of the relationships we just talked about. Marriage, children, workplace, or with the world. Maybe you're struggling with one of those relationships. I know, I know this is touchy. Maybe your boss is in the room. Maybe don't stand. Or maybe you want to stand and point. If you're struggling in one of those relationships this morning, I, I want to ask you to stand if, you, if it's appropriate. And I want to pray for you. Father, we come to you this morning and I lift up my brothers and sisters that have stood. Um, Father, we're a church that is not perfect, but we strive to be real. And the people that just st stood said, hey, I, don't, I, got, I got some things going on. I need God's help. We're okay to need your help. We're okay to say we can't, but we know who can I pray over these relationships. I don't know what, what they're walking through, and I don't need to because I can't help, but I know you can. God, I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit as they walk and as they struggle. And I pray that one day, even soon, they would be able to stand and say, Jesus changed everything. You are powerful to do that, and you have proven yourself trustworthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Last person, and then the band wants to sing. 
Asa and the others are going to lead us in worship. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter about any of this if you're at war inside your own soul. You with me? Man, you can go home and fix your marriage. But let me tell you something about marriage. Marriage isn't two broken people equal one good person. Marriage is two broken, ugly people coming into one big, gigantic mess. <laughs> and you can't do any of this if you're at war within. And the only way you can weigh, lay that aside and ask Jesus to fill you with his spirit and be used by him to do things that you can never imagine is if you completely submit and surrender to him the first time. But he went to war for you. Those palm branches that you hold in your hand represent a king that had gone to war and laid down everything to be tortured so that you could have peace. Not a little bit of peace. But eternal peace. This morning if you want to surrender him to him fully for the first time. I want to ask you to stand. It takes courage, boldness. I'm not trying to embarrass you. But it's important enough for us to say, I, I need Jesus and I'm going to follow him. Thank you, brother. I want to follow Jesus with people like you. Kirk and Francois, will y'all will go outside and visit? With this brother? Y'all can go with him if you want to. Anybody else before we pray? That guy's from South Africa. He came all the way to... Jesus brought him all the way from South Africa to win. Ugh. <laughs> to hear the good news. This, this is about the only good news you get in win. There's a Savior. <laughs> Father, we come to you this morning, and man, we are so thankful that you're at work. Um, and we acknowledge that our work is in vain if it's apart from you. And... We love you. We just love you. In Jesus' name, amen.